Hello, everyone, and welcome to Garden Gossip, the home and garden show, with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio's Garden Gossip Home and Garden Show. And today we're going to talk about disasters and in taking care of your collectibles. As we can see right now, um, you know, there's wildfires, floodings happening in the West, um, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. It's been going on. It's been the last few years have been uh, very trying for many homeowners and businesses across the country and around the world. And I don't think it's going to change that much if we don't fix what's going on with the climate. Of course, there's also normal natural disasters. Uh, but we're going to talk about what to do, how to be prepared uh, to take care of your valuables. So we're very excited to have Will Seipel joining us. He is the founder of this awesome website, WorthPoint. And I encourage you to go to worthpoint.com. Um, when you go on there, be prepared to go down a rabbit hole. It's really cool. Uh, it's the world's largest provider of information about art, antiques, and collectibles. So welcome to the show. Well, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Hey, now, do you have any garden gossip for us? What's going on in your neighbor's garden? <laughs> oh, I gossip. love gardening. I don't know if you know that, but um, I actually get neighborhood complaints sometimes because I grow too many flowers in my front yard. Oh, it's how almost- can anyone complain? Well, That's not I right. grow them everywhere. I had them growing out of the grass one year. You know how you naturalize with daffodils yeah. and things. And so um, my kids were even embarrassed. <laughs> we're, we're like that. We're like that too. It's, it's, um, I, gardens are amazing. And, you know, speaking about art, that's one thing we should talk of, you know, um, I had, had a friend who uh, had an enormous art collection of sculpture. He had his, his own sculpture garden and very oh, wow. high in value. And in the area that he was, this is in Southern California a few years ago, you know, here come the wildfires. And it's not like, you know, you can get your, your immediate things and get out, but with a whole sculpture garden, um, a very prominent uh, garden, and you, you, you go in as specially guest as a special events and things, and he really used it to raise um, money for different nonprofits in the, in the local community. But when the wildfires come, like, what do you do? You can't just quickly load up your sculptures that's a big deal what did he and, do? huh well what did do? his area actually was okay but it was one of those things like what do you do with things like that you know and then you look at the values and we've been through i know you've been through hurricanes we've been through fires um and then you know the worst part is the after part is trying to go through things obviously if you've lost a loved one or um, that that's really the worst but trying to deal with the insurance, trying to, and then the arguments start about what values, everything is valued at. Um, and that's a, that's a mess. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the worth point. I mean, did it come from, I mean, was that just something, cause I know you like to collect or did it start from going through a disaster yourself? No, my mom was an artist and she was um, first generation from uh, the Wales area in Hereford and Wales, land Foist. And that um, she got me really interested in art when I was a young kid. And so um, she would take me down to art museums in Baltimore and Washington and make day trips of it. And I got oh. to really appreciate art. And that um, we had some tough times 
as a kid financially because my dad was also a World War II vet, but disabled in Vietnam. And so I learned about uh, being able to find things at other people's houses or the rumor has it on the Manassas battlefield and places. (laughs) Oh, wow. I was always resourceful about finding things and selling them and trying to figure out values and arbitrage. And so uh, fast forward, I have a heavy tech background, but I've always been into history, antiques and things. And at 50, I I just got disappointed with the corporate world and also um, was intrigued by the arbitrage and eBay coming up and creating marketplaces that you could sell to anybody online around the world. And things all of a sudden became very liquid. So uh, I quit the corporate world and started WorthPoint. And that, um, you know, it's it's grown and grown and grown. That mm. obviously it's a good idea. But I think it took this hurricane to hit me in the head and focus me as to what the best idea to do with this is. And that's to help. Uh, the homeowner, which has always been our mission in educating people equally, but and preserve art and history, but it's really to help the homeowner prepare for things in their life that they're not prepared for. And, um, you know, um, I live in Cape Coral and mm-hmm. landed there and that um, I tended to have a house with, you know, a nice water view in the backyard and that um, I kind of wiped out my house. But I was lucky everything in there is okay, but the house is just water saturated. And that it really focused me that what would have happened if all that stuff got washed away. Mm. And that's something that we can talk about and yeah. had been developing a product that could address that. So, um, but it, it scared the bejesus out of me because mm. I left um, Cape Coral, you know, we talk about why sit there in the middle of a big storm coming, although people didn't think it would hit there. You don't know. And so I worried for days what was left, knowing that that's right where my house was. Uh, man, it's it's a rough thing when you go through it because you, you, you're evacuated out and then you don't know. And we had rumors that our house had burned down and like our whole neighborhood was gone. And then it, and then we actually found a place that we had all of our stuff with us and our cats. We had, we we evacuated from Southern California, a little mountain town, all the way to Tombstone, Arizona on Halloween and ended up on a ghost tour. <laughs> and, and we sat at Big Nose Kate and found a place to live. And we're like, you know, back in the days with actual, you know, files, um, this was before everything was, you know, so digital. And we're like, well, we can set up shop and keep going with the magazine here. Why not? And then they're like, oh. No, your house didn't burn down. We're like, oh, but we found a place right next to Boot Hill Graveyard. That was kind of cool to us, but it, you know. Well, you know, you have to, I mean, uh, first, lives are more important. Absolutely. And that um, I, we, we had a lot of tragic loss in that area. And uh, Southern Florida on the Gulf side is really, an old-fashioned community where people still help each other Mm. and care about each other quite a bit. And so uh, it was a tragic community loss. But um, so I look at my stuff come second. But still, uh, I have a lot of my family stuff and history down there. 
and I had not documented it. And so I was disappointed if it was going to be gone and you just didn't know. And I finally thought about, well, when I go from the airport to my house, uh, I have a driver I use. Let's send him over and get pictures. He's probably mm -hmm. he's not driving anyone around. He's Cuban. He's looking for money on how to make some money. And so I got him. I'll talk him into setting up a business where he could go take drones over people's houses and take the condition and for a hundred bucks, get the, the images. And so that's what I did to find out, well, my house is still there. But um, what I found out subsequently is we had about four and a half hours of 150 mile an hour wind plus. And so wow. water will get in any tiny pinhole at that point. And that it also has the ability to lift off parts of your roof, which it did on mine. And all that wind forces in there and creates big explosions and messes up your drywall with right. air pressure. So mm. the roof was totally messed up and the house was totally saturated. And so subsequently between the insurance companies have not been overly generous in helping down there and have created quite a problem in the state, although you pay a lot for insurance. Um, but with the issues I've had with mine, the roof has been open for over 90 days, although I've tried to patch it. Oh. So I had to move all my belongings out for mold. But um, I did, uh, and we can talk about the steps of what I went through. Yeah, yeah, I want to uh, do that. Protecting my assets down there. But, um, you know, a lot of important family things, whether it's furniture or paper or pictures or images and stuff. And I had just started sorting through some of the items from my mom's estate when she uh, died years ago. I never really wanted, wanted to go through or had the courage to go through some of the things. And so some of the things that I wanted to protect were newly found things. I had never seen my dad in a World War II uniform until I found, you know, one of her pictures. So for me. Yeah, it's priceless. Yeah. That's price, and yet you know when we think about photos too. I have a friend who found, I think it's her great grandfather, a photo of her great grandfather, that someone collects old photos, and it was in an antique shop. She had bought it, and it turned, and then at the back, I think she found her great grandfather's name on behind. They'd written on the back of the photo back in those days, right? Yeah. Who it was in the year, and she found her great grandfather's photo that way from a friend who had purchased something in an antique store or something like that. And so there's, there are people who collect historic photos. And, you know, I think, thank goodness, because people will throw things away like that. And you never know who down the road you can connect with your ancestors through this. So there's that value too, with historic photos and paintings, obviously, um, art, antiques. Sometimes we don't even realize the value. And I think, you know, when I went on, on your website, WorthPoint, I'm starting to go, I'm like, this is like the antique roadshow, man. I'm I go down this rabbit hole of like, what's that? I didn't know they made these, and then you you know, so it, it's kind of, it, there's a real fun side to your website, and yet I understand the importance of understanding the value. But a lot from when we went through the fires, and we went through many, um, I, the one really big one, the Cedar Fire, I ended up taking photos for all my friends who had lost their homes and trying to document for the insurance. And people didn't remember actually everything that was there until we saw shards of things. 
And so to even do the insurance work, it was a nightmare because it was like he said, she said thing. Well, do you have any receipts? And, you know, especially now we can digitize, which helps. Right. But back then, and, and there's a lot of people who don't know to digitize and, and keep these kinds of things. Like they'll, they'll never get any compensation back because it wasn't, you know, the, the receipts go, went up with a fire kind of thing. You know, and, you know the, there are tools now that, quote, can allegedly do what we're talking about here uh, with the worth point vault in our product, but mm. they can't. Um, you know, the remediators showed me a um, tool that will go around and, and take a picture of your whole room, like in a 360. And that's a place to start, but it doesn't grasp the individuality and value item. An example, uh, you have a bunch of books on your bookshelf. So what? What are we going to price them by the book? Um, mm. I collect early editions or first editions of Maine and its history and things that pertain to it because I lived up there for over 30 years. And that um, so there's books by Kenneth Roberts, uh, who was a well-known historical fictional author that wrote books like Rabble in Arms, um, you know, which is hilarious because he he likened the Maine's Revolutionary Army to a um, rabble, <laughs> an army, and everybody's a general and nobody's but a private. Nobody's a private, <laughs> which is so true about Maine, but. Um, you know, what's the value difference between a first edition signed copy versus a later printing? A huge amount. Mm, absolutely. So who's going to believe you if you don't document these things? Mm -hmm. So, yes, you can take a 360 image of your room and that's better than nothing. But um, how do you know if those are, are a real piece of Rookwood versus, you know, a, a later production of Rookwood? Uh, or a knockoff, and mm -hmm. that all this is so important and so critical. And it, it's not criti critical just because of a fire or a natural disaster, but ultimately one day we're all going to die. All mm. So that's inevitable. Mm. And that um, when I do die, uh, I want to make sure that my family or whoever owns the item next understands the importance of it mm -hmm. and what emotion I attach to it or mm. somebody else attached to it. And that um, sometimes we're lucky by happenstance that people wrote on a photograph or the back of an item. And one of my favorite items here that I can say is that is, this is a watch safe or a watch hutch when you would come home and you would put your pocket watch in it. And it would serve as a base for it that you could use it as a clock in your house. Now, this item dates back to the late 1700s. Wow. And it's in the HEPA white style uh, with the fretwork and represents a small OG bracket clock. But what was really cool is the person had the foresight site to write on the bottom, which is going to be about impossible to see here. <laughs> yeah. But it says... Whoops. Uh, essentially made by a sailor on the Black Jake. And wow. that's really intriguing because the Black Jake was a um, 
ship that went out of Baltimore into Jamaica, and it was involved in the slave trade. So hence, Black Jake. That's and wow. it was converted into a privateer during the uh, Revolutionary War, which was essentially legalized private, you know, pirating against the British. Uh, but the ship was sunk. Hey, that helped save Louisiana and, and New Orleans. Yeah. They, I'm like, go private. We're not it. pirates. We're privateers. Exactly. <laughs> they served it. And, you know, but you can see the pieces of whalebone in the design and everything. So wow. it all makes sense. But most items don't have that. And, you know, quite often you hear if that picture could only talk. Mm. And they can now with modern history. And you can see some things around me. They're not necessarily that valuable, but they're emotional. And that hat is from a guy down on Fort Myers Beach uh, that made it. I don't know if he survived the storm. I have a picture of him uh, making the hat, but it was important to me at the time because it embodied a whole bunch of memories I was having down at Fort Myers Beach that day. Mm -hmm. And so that can be preserved in my vault forever. And you never know what comes up later. I mean, how many artists get famous once they've passed on? You know what I mean? So you never know. And so it kind of, it, it, this is fascinating to me um, because in a way, if you're a collector, and even if you have a few things, right, and hand-me-downs from your family, they, these treasures, right, it's almost like you obviously want to store them in the correct temperature and, you know, store them in the cool, dry place, you know? And yep. then, and I look at this also for musicians. I, you know, we're all I'm like everybody needs to know about this because if you're a musician you want to do the same thing you're taking care of your instruments and musicians I mean I, I it's like every week you know I see musicians I know going somebody stole my amp somebody stole my guitar here's a photo of the guitar but do they have all the paperwork that goes with it you know and a lot of times even you know it's especially difficult and I know because we travel full-time how far is your car insurance going to go for what was inside your car right so you know so if your guitar was stolen out of your car and i know this from having a, a my car blow up in a fire with music gear in it because we're musicians and um you know our bass player in our band had just received a, a new carbon amp and and bass, I, it it sucked but he and he lost it all in the, within not even having it for two weeks um and then it went and so Luckily, his family um, and him did have the receipt and they could do something, but not really. And the insurance is like, no, we can do the car, but not this. You didn't insure the gear that is in your car. So there's a lesson on that um, because robbery is another thing. We talk about natural disasters, but robbery in your home and your car, whatever you put in your car, make sure that that is covered through something else. But I think what you're when I look at all the, all the collectors, we know um, all the historians, you know, we do a history magazine and all of that, I feel like we should treat them as like if we owned a store. So it's almost yeah. like we should have an inventory and reading your, your article about this in the tips, you were talking about videoing, photography, but documenting it somehow as though you had a store, make photograph. And the way you were talking about the hat is you never know what that value could be 50 years from now, um, but you're keeping that man's legacy too alive yeah. if you write something. And, you know, it, it, I think it's meaningful for my kids that all of a sudden they may be interested in something because of the attachment to me where they wouldn't have been interested in it before. Mm -hmm. And that, um, 
you wouldn't believe the amount of things that get thrown away when people pass. Uh, WorthPoint is just handling a collection of couture assets for somebody uh, that are the most wonderful clothing you've ever seen from the 70s into mm, about 2010. But there's 1,500 hats alone that this woman paid about $6,000 a piece for. Wow. And she would wear them once. They're from places like Maison de Michael, Michelle, or Maison de Michel. Uh, Chanel bought them. They're Chanel hats. Wow. Uh, Suzanne's of Madison Avenue, but there's crazy gowns from um, the 1970 era. Oh my gosh, that's going to be worth. That's yeah. And they were they were going to go to the dump. No. Yes, and so um, we convinced the person to work with us, uh, and um, nobody was taking them, uh, so we did and. Uh, she didn't have to pay to get rid of them, and we um, are now tidying them up, and we're going to start auctioning them on eBay um, in two weeks. It's going to take us a while. It's about 4,000 items. Wow. So, um, but eBay's helping us because all the money's going to the ballet school here in town, the Metropolitan Ballet. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Yeah, so it, it saves stuff from the dump. It gets somebody else to enjoy it and and it will create a, a nice donation for this person for um a 5013c that's fantastic and yep. but it's just stuff goes to the dump every day that people are bereaved they're in a hurry uh they may be in a, um focusing too much on the value of the property versus what's in it uh i mean i found the first um uh, the first ledger from the Supreme Court in New Jersey was um, in the colony was destined for the trash dump in a collector's what? collection. What? You are kidding me. No, no, I was at a flea market and saw some colonial ledgers on the table and started asking the dealer where they came from. And he says, well, there's this estate up the road that this, and I won't say which auction house, had cherry picked. And the relatives said, all right, we'll throw everything else in the trash. And wow. state sale dealer nearly flipped out, but they did. And he climbed in the dumpster and got eight banana boxes full of paper before the trash truck came and took the rest away. Uh, but it's just stuff like that happens all the time. So somebody asked me, well, why don't the kids care? And I said, maybe they care if we take the time to teach them. It's what's a mystery, you know. That's the thing. You know, I had friends. Um, gosh, it was right before the dot com bust thing, and they were starting to. They're just entrepreneurial and curious, and they got so into going to estate sales and you know people just, you know, just yard sales and things like that, and then taking these artifacts and then cleaning them up and reselling them on eBay. They they, they created a whole business. But they were completely addicted to it because they started learning things from around the world. Like, you know, you just think this is a spoon. Oh, no, this 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 came from this company. Right. You, you know what I mean? It, it's um, they ended up becoming quite, you know, the history buffs. But before that, they weren't. And so they really got to learn things. And I think that's something even for museums. And a lot of things should be in museums, but museums are having a hard time, too. 
actually just keeping collections. And so it's important that um, it's it's saving things by knowing the value of it. But how does someone, you know, say, you know, you inherit something, you know, um, and there's some value to it. What is the first thing that they, how do they work with WorthPoint? Because I just got, I got geeked out on, on all the it's like a museum. Well, there's about <laughs> five billion web pages on WorthPoint. No kidding, it it's crazy. I told yeah. you it's a rabbit hole. Yeah, you'll <laughs> never. You could sit down and spend your life going through it. You'd never get halfway through it. But uh, what WorthPoint does is it consolidates databases for prices realized or asked uh, for items. Uh, we also have a database for makers' marks patterns and symbols, we call that maps. And we have another database for books from the libraries. And a lot of those copyrights are electronically exclusive to us. And there's about 15,000 books in there and it grows by about 150 books a week. Wow. We also have um, a dictionary that pulls all that together and helps you understand something. And we'll be adding statistics to it, too, for price movements. But that's the core of WorthPoint and the WorthPoint people always knew. And I thought it was important. Not only do you want to understand the financial value, but you want sometimes you don't even know what it is or the significance of what it is. So you have to have the research with it. Um, what we're adding, and it's in a beta stage for paid customers, is uh, the WorthPoint Vault where you would take a picture of your item and chronicle it right in there. You'll be able to add a video to it by the second quarter because uh, my kids want me to tell them about all the items that we gave them that were in the family. And so it's really easy to talk, hear about this item, go put it up. It's not a lot of work, is it? It's, it's not as much work as typing. <laughs> so right. um, that video will be in there, but it asks you questions like, where did you get it? Do you have a cost basis in it? Uh, how long has it been in the family? Is it insured? Because what I learned, uh, these rascals with the insurance companies, and I, I don't blame them because we let them do it, but I didn't understand my homeowner's policy and the contents policy would have been rather useless to me uh, and the coverage because it doesn't cover art, really. I think there's a $1,500 limit on art and after that, you need to have items appraised. Uh, I'm hoping to wake up uh, that industry and say, why do we need to have everything appraised? And I did this when I sold my house in Maine. Um, it was in a January. You're really going to have a house sale that's successful in Maine in January. I mean, come on. I'm, that's getting a little cold to me when you say that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I went down and gave almost everything to the Habitat for Humanity. And I took pictures of me unloading it at their place. I took pictures of items that were very similar on WorthPoint. I put it together in a file for the IRS and said, here you go. Every item substantiated its valuation. And they accepted it. Wow. And so I think the appraisal world for items under some value is going to end up there, which is going to cover a lot of what we have in our house. Um, and, but I realized I'm not even insured for what I have here, but I have a half a million dollars of homeowners insurance for mm -hmm. what's in the house. Wow. Not, so 
we really need to understand our policy, but the questions that we ask in there that are really easy to you know answer and is, are you insured for this item? Yes. Well, what policy? Click the company. But it, it you have to, then it gets you to think about that question, Lisa, that what am I really insured for this? I need to go understand it. I had a friend that his wife lost her diamond earrings. They think they were stolen. He oh. thought he was insured, but they weren't scheduled. So he got no money, but she got new earrings. And so, well, she's always going to get her new earrings. <laughs> If he wants to be happy, you know, but that's, but that's the thing I was saying about like things in your car. That's what I learned from nothing. And I lost original music that was written and just freshly written. We had driven from a gig home. I just went into the house to take a shower and everything blew up in the garage and we lost everything in the storage. I mean, it's a mess. And when we lost like to lose original lyrics and original written music. Now, nowadays, you've got your phone, you've got cloud, you've got whatever. Right. So you've got to kind of think like immediately do something because you never know when something's going to happen. And I'm not trying to be a fear person at all. No. But I mean, the first thing you do is just even sing it. I don't know. It doesn't have to be good. Just whatever it is, protect it in that way. But I really, you know, if you're a I just keep going back to, you know, if you're an artist and you're carrying your art somewhere and something happens, is your art protected? If you're taking it to a show, is your art in your car protected? And, you know, but that happened to a famous musician, Paul McCartney. Yep. Uh, I think that was the Venus and Mars album, but um, he had to rewrite everything when he got over to Africa. To record it but uh, it happens and that i can tell you that nothing would replace losing my family stuff but mm -hmm. money would help and having at least a copy of it pictorially in my vault would certainly help and having the pictures will help me get the money but you're also keeping preserving history in some way you yeah. know you're also preserving family history there's something you know, I think about families back in the day where a lot of the records were kept in the family Bible. Yes. And then people go, oh, that's just another Bible. It's like, no, it's not. It's got the baptism, baptism dates and things like that in there. So by doing this, if something does happen, God forbid, at least you have a video, you have that sentimentality, but it's also something for historians that may need it somewhere at some time. You, no, you know I mean, what I mean? We talked to Georgia Tech about if people we get people to start using the vault which i think we can with offering it through insurance companies so you get properly insured you get a discount on your homeowner's policy um it eliminates conflict but georgia tech we talked about wow if people would make some of the stuff public what's in there we could make a great collection on georgia tech football with what's in people's houses oh yeah wow you'll never get it all in museums but if you get people to share it um, then you don't need to have the museum. You have the items online and you can curate them and put the pictures up there. And, and by the way, you're protected if they get stolen. Wow. Because uh, you'll have a record of it. And if it shows up again somewhere else. I wonder if we're going to end up like that with more digital museums. You know what I mean? It's it's kind yeah. of an, I think it's, but it's a way for people to experience museums around the world. Like during the pandemic, museums started doing 
tours online. They're like, okay, we can do this. We can take people on a tour of the museum, you know? So I think that's a, you're going to have one just for the bulldogs, the dogs. Absolutely. <laughs> we need one down here for those guys. And mm -hmm. that, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of neat because if you think about it, you could make the item available to the public, but anonymously. And yeah. so, you know, if, if I wanted to put this clock watch holder from the Black Jake up there, I could make it public and just not tell people whose collection it's out of. Or I can tell them it's out of my collection, whichever I want to do. Mm -hmm. uh, or contact this person if you want to know more about it. Um, you know, and I can make the contact available privately. There's a lot of things that we can do. That's fascinating because if people are doing like their family history research, I think my head is like, that's where it, that was the first thing that I saw when I went on Worth Point. I'm going family history. There's something to this for family history because you know, you're always doing research and somebody may have something written down. I think it could be used like a tie into ancestry.com or something at the same time. Well, we call, we you know? actually, and you, you mentioned uh, Roadshow. One of our directors, Kathleen Guzman, is a well known celebrity on Roadshow and she's been on there for decades. And so awesome. um, she dubbed the product ancestry.com for your stuff. Yeah, it is, but it, but it is part of, family history. I mean, if you yes. look at antiques and how you're saying to document them and, and possibly ensure or not ensure what and share or not share, it's a way for communities to say, hey, I have this historic photo or I have this historic book or this heirloom that was passed down. I mean, a, a friend of mine is working on her family history and, and he was like a a really big wig in Singapore back in the back in the way back when days. Like and and we're going you know, he could have had gifts from Singapore, but then it will connect to another family. And over, it's just crazy. You know, the, the, the rabbit hole, which we love. <laughs> we love them. And so, you know, for me, the love of this is just huge, uh, personally. And when I was in college, I really wanted to be a history major, but I couldn't figure out how to make enough money yeah. to live the life I wanted to live, which isn't ostentatious, but it's it's certainly not impoverished. Mm. And that um. This has allowed me to escape the corporate world where I really didn't always agree with some of the ethical things um, that boards would get into. And it's allowed me to pursue what I've wanted to all my career. Mm. But I can excel because it really is data intensive and it requires a love of history or art or both. And 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 this is something that people can use worldwide or yep. just in the States? I want to make we sure have, on that. Uh, customers in about 100 countries and about 300,000 people a day using the site. Oh, man. You've got big servers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a massive server bill every month. <laughs> yeah, you know? we know about those. <laughs> but, you know, you know it's, history's changed. Or not history, technology. We used to have our own server farms. And my yeah. God, it was expensive. You know, it's it's interesting going from, you know, us being a print magazine out of South Africa, where we started when Nancy, my mom started over there. And I remember working for her cut and paste, you know, back in the, I mean, you've got to think <laughs> what it was like. And, and um, then going to digital and film and producing our own film and then coming over here. And now every, I remember when the internet first came and she was, 
emailing through, you know, we didn't have high speed internet at that time for three days, emailing the magazine art to the printer. And now look at it. Like now it's like, now we're all completely online and it's, you can never reach the amount of people that we have online now, like what we did, you know, print was limiting, but I still miss those, you know, we have our magazines. Now, what would the value be of our actual print magazines after all these years? You know, when I think back, I mean, it's a legacy of over 30 something years of, of you know, way That's back a, when. Well, I have a tough question for you about South Africa and involved uh -oh. art. Okay, art, you could do art. Don't ask me politics, it's complicated. No, I, I'm not, <laughs> I hate politics. So um, I try to stay out of them. Um, why is South Africa have such good skill set in making a bronze? Of bronze? Uh-huh, a bronze statue. Huh, I don't know. You know, it's a very artistic country. Um, that's what Nancy, my mom is a, well, is a primarily an artist, but bronze, you know, that's, there's a lot of actual metal work everywhere. You've got to think about that sculpture. Statues have always been a big deal. I mean, it's like one person, that's it. Everybody gets this, you know, I think when I think back to growing up there, there was public art wasn't, it was parts of history. It's outdoor museums. So it's I think, and, and, and it's also there. You know, things I had made there and we looked all over the world for the best artist, you know, best made stuff mm -hmm. and the cost effectiveness of it. And that um, there was a friend of mine and he was a very well-known artist by the name of Stephen Hunek, who lived in the Northeast Kingdom in Vermont. And he had a uh, piece of work in the Louvre. He had one in the Smithsonian. He's well known at the Courier Museum. But he did a lot of work on his art by a dog named Sally. And Stephen is collected by people like uh, Laura Bush collected him or uh, wow. Schwarzenegger or Soros and people like that. And Alex Acevedo in New York discovered it. And wow. So Stephen used to make social commentary art and he fell down the stairs in a studio, went into a coma. They mm. finally, after months, they were going to declare him dead and his wife brought in the dogs to say goodbye to him and the dogs brought him out of his coma. So Stephen's work turned to dogs. And he said, after all, dog is God spelled backwards. So he, Listen, dogs rule. <laughs> yeah, so he has a picture of a Dalmatian, a piece of art he did, of a Dalmatian looking in the mirror, seeing spots, and he's seeing it backwards. So he sees oh, God. Oh, I love it. It's cute. So, but Stephen um, wanted um, to make bronzes out of some of his carvings. He was a master carver. And so we had life-size dogs cast in bronze in South Africa. Wow. And wow. we went all over the world. And that um, China, the first question was, how long do you want them to last? Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. <laughs> Don't, that's hysterical. Well, <laughs> South Africa is really art, art centric and a lot of um, hands-on kind of art. You know, uh, there's the mechanical art. There's so like if you go to some of the gates are a big deal there. It's kind of like what Bob Dylan kind of worked too. Like, yep. you know, 
I look, I love what he's doing, but um, it's very much like, and maybe, you know, also having the raw materials there, um, you know, in your backyard, it's the mining is huge in South Africa. And, you know, you should have asked for diamonds, you would have got the <laughs> big ones. But, but um, you know, maybe it's the wine. I don't know. They have the, some of the best wine in the world in South Africa, you know, so but it, it, it is very art centric. I could art-centric. explain that they did well, where the Dutch with the airlines, that mm-hmm. the air freight shipping they had down to the penny, it was <laughs> reasonable and they had it down to the penny. And I create that there's the Dutch somewhere that you will do this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, it's the Dutch East India Company started the whole shipping thing correctly, yeah. right? <laughs> they and did it. They did it. Well, so, that's fascinating about going and getting, you know, because then you have to bring them over. That's like, wow, <laughs> that, that's a cost. It's a pretty penny to bring them over. Yeah, that, I love that. No. And so, um, but I got some beautiful castings from there. And then ultimately, Stephen took his own life. And oh. so all that stopped. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, it, typical artist, right brain, left brain type of thing. And, mm-hmm. but he was remarkable and we did some great work there for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's, but again, it should go in the vault. Exactly. I love this. I love what you're doing. It is so exciting. Now I'm, I know you're, this interview is going to go in our home and garden magazine, but now I think you need to be in the history magazine, you need to be in the art magazine. <laughs> I'm like sitting here as we're doing, having this, you know, interview. But I, I think what you're doing, it's really getting to that place where you, museums can't be responsible for everything, but we do need these museums. Oh. We absolutely need them. Um, I have a friend, uh, Victoria Chick, she's an artist on our show every month, and we talk art history and and she is developing, now got a team with her, a fine art museum in Silver City, New Mexico. It's in Southwest New Mexico. And um, it's an art community. And she's like, you cannot be an art community, just sheer number of artists and galleries. We have to have a fine art museum. And their first steps, they have all this donated art, but their first thing before they have the building is a website. So people can have this visual experience of the quality of art, who this artist is. So it's already becoming a, a museum without being a physical one yet. That's a big deal to, to oh, start a fine art cool. museum. And the ability to archive with what you have. I mean, there's so much out there that should be in museums that won't be that people should know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, um, I talk about my mom as an artist. My dad was more of a well-known artist. Um, we all the men in my family sew, including me. I embroider. Oh wow! And so I've won national contests. My dad was the only male judge in the embroiderers guild in the country. But wow. it comes from sewing sails. You know, we were sailors. Right, Maine. Yeah, and so um, you know, I want to archive what I have that my dad did, even going around to some of the churches because he did a lot of work for churches in stitching and try to capture it and save it online for people to see and that um it really it's an idea whose time is here mm-hmm. and that um you know it's a practical application for the web you know people have talked about well the value of real estate in fantasy land i forget who who was creating this place and you know, Shaq just bought his house here on the on the virtual land, so you can have one next to Shaq. You know, I don't think that's ever going to be really reality, or we can live in the matrix. But a practical application is really um, 
uh, perpetualizing the gathering of information and centering it to understanding people and their history. Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal to me. I think this is, you know, because people are always saying, oh, you know, because of the digital era that we're losing our history. And I'm going, no, there's, it, we have to change how we use it. You know, it's, it's all about how we use things, even AI and, and all of that. People are all scared of it. I'm going, no, it's tools. And if, and if we have these extra tools, it doesn't, we don't have, we can do it. It's, it's a fascinating time to be in, you know, to live here now in, in this era of, you know, I think the internet is only now becoming what it can be. I think we're only now at the tip of it. And, you know, then one day we'll find out we're all being run by aliens. <laughs> but, it's, but it's all good. I think it's fantastic. Um, everyone, worthpoint.com is the website to go to. Uh, loved our conversation. And, and really, thank you so much for joining us, Will. And you're ma- I know this is going to make people think about, you know, what they're doing and hopefully keeping their, starting their inventory if they haven't, but keeping it up to date. But go to worthpoint.com, everyone. Of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. And if you go to uh, go to blendradioandtv.com, sign up for our newsletter. It comes out every week. You get our digital magazines, upcoming shows, all that good stuff. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And sometime let me walk you through my vault. <laughs>